Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 6. Here's Pastor Ryan. 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 21. We all there? Amen. And so, Father, we thank you again this evening for your goodness in our lives, Lord. Your mercy is new. Your love is there for us, Lord. Where we can just grasp that and draw close to you. We're just so grateful for that. And tonight, as we've gathered here, Lord, you promised to meet us here and to minister to us, Lord, and to speak to us through your word. And we just pray that you would. Holy Spirit, move in this place powerfully. Pour out your grace, Lord. Give us humble hearts to receive your word, Lord. Oh, Lord, I need your mercy to teach it. And I pray that you would give it. And I pray that it would be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. All right, Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 21. Um, it's the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem. As you know, we've been studying. It's a glorious uh, time for Israel. Uh, King Solomon has fulfilled the building of the temple that was promised by God to his father David that his son would build the temple for his name. And so it's a time of great celebration. It's a time of the fulfillment, the temple being built. And God has blessed the ceremony by uh, just coming down in the form of a dark cloud that just came over uh, the temple so thick, so wonderful, so glorious that the priests had to stop uh, ministering um, at that time. And so in our last time together king solomon had built a brown a bronze altar or, or platform if you will and uh, right there in the outer court in order to address the people and he's knelt down before the people before the lord and he's raised his hands to the lord and uh solomon is just crying out to the lord and praying to him and thanking him for God in keeping his covenant with his people and his mercy with his people. And he is asking God to listen to his cry, to listen to uh, his prayer, which he is praying before the Lord. That his eyes, God's eyes, may be upon the temple or toward the temple day and night, every day, and toward the place where he said he would put his name that he may hear the prayer which Solomon makes toward the temple. And so he's right in the middle of this prayer before the Lord of just thanksgiving and praise and asking God to bless the new temple. And so in verse uh, 21, it says, And may you hear the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place, hear from heaven your dwelling place and when you hear forgive and so his request to god is beautiful lord when you know your servant speaking of himself prays to you when your people pray to you towards this place may you hear from heaven and forgive 
And if there's anything that we desire out of our church and out of our time here with the Lord when we come here, is that when we cry out to God, that he hears us and that he forgives us, right? Those two things are like the basis of prayer. And that's what a we want if we're, the wisdom that God gives us. What more would we want when we come here? But first, Lord, that you would hear our cry, hear our prayers, and that you would forgive. Um, a wise Christian would seek those things first. But does God truly hear our prayers? What's the answer? Obviously, right? He does. He hears our prayer. But yet Solomon is is saying, "Would you hear our prayer?" And if God hears our prayer, why should we ask him to hear? And I think that the, the clue is in him saying, God, will you forgive? Right? And so God always hears our prayer. But when we pray, we have to deal with the sins in our heart, do we not? Jesus, when he rose Lazarus from the dead, he prayed in John 11, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. That's John eleven forty one. That's what Jesus said. Father, I'm glad that you heard me. And I know that you always hear me. And that is the truth about our prayers. God hears our prayers. But like I said, sometimes God doesn't respond to our prayers. And the issue is because of unconfessed sin in our lives, in our hearts. Remember Isaiah 59, where the prophet said in verse 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that, you, so that he will not hear. And so wisdom says, the wisdom of God says, and a wise Christian would understand that when we come before God, we do cry out, Lord, hear our prayer. But we also know we should deal with our own hearts before we start asking for a bunch of stuff and blessings and fix this problem and this issue. God isn't Santa Claus. God is not a genie. He is the living God. He is our Father. And there's nothing that he cannot do and he's promised to bless us that if he's given his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that how much more will he not through Jesus give us all the things that we need? So he knows what we need before we ask. But what is needed most? Solomon gives us the hint. When your people pray towards this place, hear their cry, hear their prayer and forgive. And God works in that space of humility and brokenness. That's where Christianity really begins to take um, momentum. That's where you really begin to see fruit and change in your life. When you come before him and say, Lord, hear my prayer and, and Lord, search my heart. Search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Like the prayer must be me first lord cleanse me wash me i think of uh of uh of peter when he tried to forbid the lord from washing his feet you know like it was beneath jesus to do that but uh in his eyes but jesus um said to him in john 13 verse 8 
And when Peter said, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part uh, with me. And I think that's the way it is. If we want, you know, God to move and work in our lives, we have to receive his forgiveness before we move on in our conversation. You know what I mean? It's, it is the, the pink elephant in the room when you're praying to the Lord, when you come before him and say, Lord, you know, you know, bless you, you know, I give you the honor, the glory, and praise. And then we just move on to the things of, that are going on or maybe the prayers we want answered. But we haven't dealt first with what he knows is in our heart and, and we, it, it should start right there. Lord, in some way, somehow, in thought, in action, I have sinned against you. I know I have. So please cleanse me and forgive me for your merciful Wash me by the blood of Jesus and fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's where prayer begins. And then from there, Lord, hear and forgive. And he does, doesn't he? If we pray sincerely in 1 John chapter 1, I mean, 1 John 1, 9 through 10, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness if we say that we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us and so lord hear and forgive and in some strange way it's also tied into the church hear and forgive coming to this place not forsaking the assembling of one another but coming together in fellowship it doesn't that show uh, an act of, of piety towards God? Doesn't that show humility like you want me to go to church? It's declared in your word that when the church gathers, I'm not to forsake that. Here I am. I am on my way in the direction of my church and I'm praying now, Lord, hear me and forgive. And I think that there's folks out there that still haven't come back or aren't fellowshipping anywhere who should really take heed to this, that you can't expect God to answer your prayers and to forgive sin when there's disobedience in your life, in which the Lord says it's, that rebellion is as witchcraft. And God is, is less, less desiring our sacrifices and is rather wanting our obedience. But we can receive cleansing from the Lord that's so wonderful and it's every day. I like what David said in Psalm 51, 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And so, when they prayed toward this place, hear from heaven your dwelling place and when you hear, forgive. If anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple, then hear from heaven and act and judge your servants, bringing a retribution on the wicked by bringing his way on his own head and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. And so here Solomon is, is, is crying out to God that he would be really the judge of disputes between brethren, right? It, the temple would be like a courthouse for God's people when there was problems between the brethren. They can go there before God and his priests and the Levites and, and really receive the word of the Lord or instruction from God to 
really oversee and judge rightly the disputes. Did you know that about the temple? And so Solomon is crying out, this is the place where people are going to come to try to solve problems. And it still is the same today. Church is a place where those who love the Lord, who walk with Christ, know that, hey, you know, problems that are too difficult, maybe when you need a third voice or a second voice or counsel, it still is the Lord's houseware that is available uh, for you. And uh, um, I believe that is part of the function of the church, that it would be a, a place where disputes are settled. It, the temple was a place where these things would get resolved, for sure. It's a place where wrongs would be righted, retribution was paid, and judgments were, were given. But the truth is that some Christians do not want to bring uh, their case uh, before the church or, or to really the, the leadership of the church in order to work things out to get counsel. And part of the reason, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's various reasons, but one of them, a big one, is, a, is, is not wanting accountability. It's not wanting accountability. Because when you bring a case... You know, you're going to look for like fairness and justice, kind of what's very much lacking in our world today, especially this past week. But within the church, you know, you're able to come and get God's counsel from his word. And God has um, ordained the church to be that uh, for his people. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and I will show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And give me an amen once you are there. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Right? And so there you have it. There's uh, God's instruction through Paul to the Corinthian church that, hey, don't be taking each other to court. Don't be trying to fight this stuff out amongst non-believers, unbelievers. Because what it does is it drags the Lord's name through the mud. God has ordained us to one day judge angels. That's what he's saying here. And we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we are, I, am con, I have been constantly shocked in a good way at how God, the Holy Spirit, gives a word of wisdom and counsel and, oh my goodness, where nobody sees it coming. Not even the vessel that's speaking it, I can guarantee you that time. People, I have been shocked what has come out of my mouth, both good and bad, unfortunately. But I'm speaking about the good here. And I say that, that that just wasn't me. That's the Holy Spirit, period. And I have seen time and time again, the Holy Spirit give what's needed at that specific time. And, and I wish it was just all the time, but it's not. 
if you're seeking the Lord and I'm seeking the Lord and we're spending our time with the Lord and we're reading our Bibles, the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to minister to someone. Help them figure out their problems. And that's how God has established it. But unfortunately, you get, you know. And so I'm bummed out when like a couple who has been married for some time and they just keep bumping heads. Both of them are believers. And they wait way too long before they get a, a, a minister involved. Way too long. And it's just a big cleanup. And, you know, um, we all need a little maintenance from time to time. Of course, and I have had counsel in our in our marriage, and we've been married 19 years. And so, my pastor, we just put him on speaker. We put it, and he just starts checking us both in love. You know, starts. He's that third voice. You need another voice sometimes. Well, the church provides that. And again, like I get bummed out when people don't work things out when they should through the church people really forget that the temple is the place that god provides and stuff so make us work make us work we're here for you especially if you if like this is your home church you know it's like i need a better heart to minister and counsel to folks that this isn't their home church they just come for counsel and they bounce you know but i'm here for that as well i'm just being honest with you that it's it's my pleasure to minister to to the family that's here at sweet hills you know that uh this is your home church. If there's anything that the Lord can help you through us, um, you'll be surprised. Jeremiah 3.15, pleasantly surprised. says, And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah 3.15. That's just biblical stuff right there for a Wednesday night. I think that as... Um, things get ironed out between disputes. I also believe that when a person has a dispute within their own heart, towards God, towards the church, towards society, towards whatever is going on, and that when they have a dispute within themselves, they're just not at peace, they're bitter, they're bummed out, they're, they, I, I, believe, I just think that even that, when they come to God's house, you'd be surprised how many people's Disputes with their own hearts get settled in this place. It's crazy. It happens. It happens. And, and, and they come to realize that the reason why they had so many disputes, the reason why things were not right in their heart, the reason why uh, they were having such difficulty with, the, with everything that's going on in the world is because they hadn't visited this place. There's something about this place. And I mean every church that honors God's word. Not just Sweet Hills. I mean any church that really honors this book, honors the name of Jesus. When you go there, you can expect to have, you know, the disputes of your own heart ironed out. Psalm 73 is the perfect illustration to that. A psalm written by Asaph, uh, where he says in verses 2 through 6, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they played like other men. So his, his view, his, his, um, his opinion of 
of wicked man was that they're prospering. They're having fun. They're, they, there's no pangs in their death. There's no plague amongst them. And look at how great they're doing. He goes on in verse 12 to say, Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I, ha I have cleansed my heart in vain. It's almost like he's saying, like, as a believer, I, like, I'm a believer in vain because cause, cause, uh, of, of look at them. And washed my hands in innocent, for all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. So here's a, a believer who's going through problems, and he looks at the world and he's saying, Look at them, they have it made. And that's why the Bible says, Don't fret concerning evildoers, right? But then he says in verse 16 of that psalm, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. And that's the truth, my friends. When you come here, you get clear perspective because of the word. You, whatever dispute you have with your, oh, the world, oh, no, this is unfair, that's unfair. You come here and God's like, boom, you're good. You're going to heaven. One day they're going to burn. Pray for them. You know what I mean? That, that perspective comes. So it's not just disputes amongst people, but amongst even ourselves. Our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? Amen? And so back to our text, which is way in the front. Verse 24. Or if your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you and return and confess your name and pray and make supplication before you in this temple then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land which you gave to them and their fathers and so here's like just an amazing like like prophetic truth that Solomon says like if if Israel is defeated before an enemy because they've sinned against you. In other words, you know, the idea is that their victories, their strength against the enemies is God and their obedience towards his word, right? But if they, they turn from the Lord, then God divinely judges them by allowing their enemies to run over them. And, you know, with Christianity, like we have the Holy Spirit in us to help us in our weakness. But it is, it is true that if we abide in Christ and we say no to the flesh daily and say, Lord, your will be done, not my will. We say no to ourselves and yes to God. Trust me, nothing can touch us. But it's when we, we dabble with sin or we neglect our time with the Lord or you know, just pull away a bit, then the enemy, it's like we've opened the door for him. We've given him, we've given him a foothold to be, begin to mess with us when otherwise he would have been blocked off. Hedge of protection, kind of not there, because why? Because Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, you shall bear much fruit, but without me you can do nothing. The Bible says, Stronger is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But if we neglect he who is in us, the Lord, you know, the enemy starts, 
you know, getting punches in. Boom. Whoa, where'd that? And hopefully it drives you right back. Like he's saying, if, if Israel is defeated before her enemies, if they cry out to you, forgive. That's what we do. We, we forgive because Jesus came to, dis, to really put the enemy at bay. Like what he told Pilate, you would have no power unless it had been given to you by my Father in heaven. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We adore.